Welcome to today's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind, with permission of the Worcester News, and recorded on Thursday, the 10th of November, 2022, here at Colin Chance House. I'm Evelyn Brock, the editor for this edition, and with me to read the articles today are Moira Lowe, Richard Pugh, Penny Welford, and our sound engineer is Alex Gwynne. We are, as usual, ably supported by the admin team, led by Carol Hartle. And that reminds me, I've had a note from Carol and some information for you. Unfortunately, the post bag wasn't collected by the Royal Mail last Friday. So this week... We're going to put this week's and last week's memory stick in the same wallet rather than sending two out. So you've got a bumper bundle this week. A warm welcome to all our readers, especially new ones. I do hope you enjoy this week's offering. In addition to news items, you'll hear some useful telephone numbers readers published letters, birthday and thought for the week. Nowadays, obituaries are placed following the closing music, so if you wish to hear them, please stay tuned then. Don't forget that recordings are usually available as podcasts, but at present, talking books are not available on memory sticks, but rather on CDs and tape. Also, do let us know your birthdays so that we can greet you specially when the time comes. This service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a voluntary donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House... Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5, 1DA. We do like hearing from you, and a message can be left on our answer phone. That's Worcester, 01905 767 766, or you could add a note to your wallet. If there's a problem with any aspect of your receiving recordings, please use the answer phone on the number I've just given and leave a message to that effect. OK, we're all good. Thank you. OK. Well, to start the material for this evening, I'm going to ask Moira to read the birthday that we have this week. OK, so um, on the 15th of November... It's birthday for Brenda West, so happy birthday to Brenda. Thank you. And now Penny will read us the thought for the week. The thought for the week comes from Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Thank you, Penny. And now some useful telephone numbers, followed by a selection of what's on in Worcester in this coming week. So the telephone numbers first. As I've said already, the telephone number here at Wilds Lane, Colin Chance House, Worcester 767766. The police non-emergency number 101. Crime Stoppers, 0800-555-1. The Worcester Hub for Council Matters, Worcester 765-765. Worcester Theatres, Worcester 611427. Malvern Theatres, 01684. Eight nine double two double seven. Out of hours medical services. Treble one. Samaritans one one six one two three, and that's a free phone number. And Western Power, now known as the National Grid, for checking if there's a power cut as to where it might be and what might have caused it to keep yourself safe. And that number is 0800-917-7953. And to remind you that they have a priority service register and that will provide information in Braille, large print or alternative languages. And to register for that, 0800-032-8302. And that's all free. And now a selection of what's on in Worcester in the following week. At Huntingdon Hall, and I think all of these are at Huntingdon Hall, Friday the 11th of November, so you might just make it, Toya the Anthem Tour. Uh, also on Sunday the 13th of November at 3pm, the Carducci String Quartet, and they'll be playing works by Mendelssohn, Shostakovich and Beethoven. And then on the 16th of November, that's next Wednesday at 7.30, Lucy Cook, Bitch, the Female of the Species, talking about what it might be to, to be female. And lastly, Thursday the 17th of November at 7.30, Tom State, The High Road, he simplified his life, sold his house and most of his retro possessions and embarked on his latest round of misadventures. So if there's anything there that takes your fancy, I hope you enjoy it. Right, now then we'll go on to the headline articles and I'm going to ask Richard to start with last Friday's headline article. Hello. Yes, last Friday had the rather dramatic headlines of armed police storm city flat. 
with a sub-headline of drama as Main City Road is closed off for arrest. Then on page three we have a photograph of two police officers with their guns out and with another headline, Drama as Armed Cops Storm Flat in Worcester. A man has been arrested after armed police were seen in a Worcester street. West Mercia Police arrested a 26-year-old man from Worcester on suspicion of a fray following the incident yesterday morning. At around 4.45am, West Mercia received a report concerned for the safety of a man at a property in St John's. Officers attended the scene and no injuries were reported. The main road through St John's was closed until around 6am as police dealt with the situation. A nearby resident reported seeing half a dozen officers entering a flat. He said they shut the road from the ball ring to the church. Two armed cops outside the flats, six went in. Looked like a negotiator was there too. They took out a woman and sat her in a car uncuffed and then a man in cuffs got taken away. They cleared the scene, a lot of shouting armed police and that. This was all between 5am and 6.30am, no shots were fired. Right, well I live in St John's but I missed all that sadly. Now, Saturday and Sunday, November the 5th to November the 6th. And the headline is Bishop Backs Same-Sex Marriage. Letter says, Time for Church to Celebrate Relations. The Bishop of Worcester has said it is time for clergy in the region to support same-sex marriage. In a letter to his diocese, jointly written with the Bishop of Dudley, Dr John Inge wrote that the time was right for gay people to be allowed to marry in C of E churches. He wrote, In short, we believe that the time has come for the church to celebrate and honour same-sex relations. People do not choose their sexuality and all should be able to express it within loving, committed relationships. Our preferred option would be for same-sex couples to be able to be married in church. We hope and pray that this will be the outcome of the Living in Love and Faith LLF process. There isn't space to set out our reasons in this letter but either of us would be happy to talk them through. Suffice it to say that we believe our conclusion to be consonant with the biblical witness. We could do no better in expounding our views than the Bishop of Oxford has done in his booklet Together in Love and Faith, Personal Reflections and Next Steps for the Church, which has great theological rigour. Dr Inge was joined by the Right Reverend Martin Gorick, Bishop of Dudley, in signing the letter, which discussed the recent meeting of bishops from across the country in discussing their living in love and faith process. 
This considers the right Christian attitudes to take surrounding identity, sexuality, relationships, and marriage, and how they fit in with the overall teachings of the Church of England. The current position of the Church of England is that marriage is between a man and a woman, although it supports celibate same-sex relationships, including civil partnership. The bishops finished the letter by calling for respect to be shown from both sides in the debate, writing, "We recognise that others feel very differently from us." And we believe that the right of every Christian to act and minister according to his or her own conscience on this matter must be protected. If the outcome of the LLF process is what we hope it will be, those who hold to a traditional view should be honoured, and they certainly will be in this diocese as long as we remain your bishops. And the headline story for Monday, November the seventh, is cyclist left lying injured. Driver fled crash scene, leaving victim with broken ankle. A teenage cyclist will need an operation to fit surgical pins after being left with a broken ankle after being hit by a car. Mackenzie Hall, aged 18, was knocked off his bike at the crossing near the Oakapple pub on Spetchley Road. The driver initially got out to check his registration plate, but then drove off without checking on Mr. Hall. The teenager was left to drag his bike out of the road and hobble in agony towards the pavement, where he rang his granddad, Mark Brook Wallace. Since the crash on Tuesday, November the first, Mr. Hall has been told he will need surgical pins in his ankle. Mr. Brook Wallace, aged forty-nine, said the crash has left Mr. Hall immobile and unable to go to work for six to eight weeks, but ultimately it has affected his grandson's confidence. He rang me at four fifteen p.m. and said, "I've been knocked off my bike," and I drove from him. I drove there to take him to the hospital, and then he was in the hospital all night. I find it disgusting that the driver left my grandson with in the injuries he had. As a driver, you have have a responsibility, and he saw my grandson and never offered him any help. Mr. Brook Wallace claims the driver verbally abused his grandson before driving off. He claims. The driver stopped his car, got out, examined his number plate, and proceeded to leave the scene with no contact details or insurance details, and didn't even inquire about his well-being. He saw my grandson, and he just sped off. You have got to do the right thing and take responsibility for what you have done. The bike was a present for my grandson, and it cost two thousand pounds. That bike was his pride and joy. And he used it to get to work. I bought his reflectors, bells, and lights to make him more visible on the road. And for this to happen after all that, it does my head in. We look after him like he is our own son, and he has lived with me and his nanny since he was a baby. He hasn't started the job. He hasn't long left school. He's just starting his adult life, and this has given him such a knock. 
If the driver had just got my grandson up and said, I'm very sorry about this, then that would have been good enough. He's immobile. He is just flat out in bed. Anyone with information should call police on 101, quoting reference number 107I04111024. Okay, my headline is from Tuesday, November the 8th. Man robbed in park at knife point. Police descended on a Worcester park after a man was robbed at knife point. Officers were seen surrounding the city's Cripplegate Park in St John's on Saturday evening following the incident and are still searching for the attacker. West Mercia Police confirmed that a 26-year-old man had been threatened with a knife and that cash was taken at about 10.40pm. A spokesman said officers were searching for a man around 5 foot 10 tall wearing a white hoodie and dark trousers. An eyewitness said they saw the park surrounded by police just after midnight and were told to go home and away from the area. Another said they saw both marked and unmarked police cars on blue lights heading towards the park over Worcester Bridge. Chief Inspector Brian Gibbs said... Our officers attended the scene within minutes and performed a comprehensive search of the area. Nothing was found in the search and to date no arrests have been made. Our investigations are ongoing and we are determined to identify who is involved and remove them and their weapon from the streets. We simply will not stand by and allow people to carry knives and threaten the safety of themselves and others. We rely on members of the public coming forward with information about such incidents to keep your streets safer. If you were in Cripplegate Park or the surrounding area on Saturday night and saw anything suspicious, then please come forward. Anyone with information that could help police is asked to report it online under the Tell Us About section of the West Mercia Police website, quoting reference 655 on the 5th of November. And turning to Wednesday, November 9, we have a, a photograph on the front page of Mick and Norma Gale of Christine Avenue in Rushwick, together with one of their Santas, with the headline, Turning Off the Lights, The Last Christmas for Couples Festive Spectacular. And on page three, we have uh, a photograph of those lights, uh, which is very colourful and uh, rather impressive. An annual Christmas lights display is in its final year due to the cost of living crisis. Mick and Norma Gale of Christine Avenue in Rushwick have opened up the back garden of their home every Christmas with a big display to raise money for Midlands Air Ambulance for the last 20 years. This year's display is due to open on Saturday, December the 17th at 6pm, but will be the last year due to the rising cost of living. Mr Gale said, We have been doing this for the last 20 years and have loved every minute, but with the state of how things are at the moment with bills, it will be the last year. I am also set to turn 74 next year, and climbing all those ladders isn't as easy as it used to be. 
We are still very much looking forward to seeing people this year. We have always had such a good response from the public. Rising energy bills across the country have been a worry for many households and the cost of Christmas lights in places such as Oxford Street in London has meant a reduction in time spent lit. Mr Gale said, Next year we will still have some lights up, but they will just be in the front garden. This year's display will feature an 8-foot tall inflatable Santa, a 10-foot tall inflatable reindeer and hundreds of lights. The front of the house is also always decorated with colourful lights, inflatables and other decorative pieces. The couple began putting up the lights for the display this morning, but the rain forced them to postpone their plans. Last year, guests at the Switch On were able to enjoy mulled wine and mince pies and the event raised a total of £1,450. Of the money raised, £1,011 came from donations made whilst visiting the garden and £439 came through donations through a Just Giving page. For more information on the display, you can visit the Santa's Garden Facebook page at facebook.com Santa's Garden Rushwick or visit the website at santasgarden.co.uk I've seen that and it is quite spectacular. So now the last headline article is for today, Thursday, November the 10th. Mother and child stuck in hospital car park for hours. Call for action over, quotes, disgusting delays. A mother who was stuck waiting to leave a hospital car park with a crying baby for two hours is calling for urgent action to be taken. Joe Watson called the parking situation at Worcestershire Royal Hospital disgusting and ridiculous. She is the latest to highlight the issues at the Charles Hastings Way-based hospital with bosses saying the trust is working with parking experts to resolve the situation. Miss Watson said her ordeal took place after visiting her nan, who is currently at the hospital. I went at 3pm and needed to leave before getting back to my boys, Miss Watson said. I left at 4.30pm and joined the queue. I had the blower on, but my 12-month-old Elsie was crying. She was hungry. It was dark, so I went back in and waited in the hospital foyer for an hour in the warm. When I went back out, there were people who I spoke to in the queue who hadn't moved. I finally left at half six and didn't get home until 7pm with a baby if this was extremely trying. The 40-year-old said she spoke to a mum who was taking her baby home for the first time and saw a couple of elderly people. I think it is terrible to do that to people, the mum of three from Breeden said. The system is not very good. 
When I can't find a space, I go round. I went round three times recently until I found one. But if someone stops and waits, it stops the flow. As soon as you get out on the main roads, it's fine. It needs to be sorted out. In recent weeks, we have reported on a growing number of people who want action taken over the car park. Darren Richardson, who has been a driving instructor for 22 years, said the parking at Worcestershire Royal Hospital is just awful. Mr Richardson, 56, said, I wouldn't be amazed if someone died in the car park because the driver can't find parking. People will block the entire car park to wait for a free car parking space. This car park is just not big enough. It's just awful. Baz Adams from Malvern was stuck in the car park for more than an hour after bringing his wife to an appointment. He said, I literally reversed out of the space and stopped. I've never seen anything like it in all of my 70 years. Previously, Matthew Hopkins, Chief Executive of Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust, said, We are aware that the current parking provision in place across our hospitals is not sufficient and recognise the difficulties and anxieties that this causes for our patients, staff and visitors, particularly at peak times. We are enlisting the help of parking specialists who will work with us to ensure that we can further increase our car parking capacity across our sites and improve parking arrangements. While this significant piece of work is underway, we've taken a number of steps to reduce congestion and ease the parking pressures, including the increased use of telephone and video appointments. We asked the Trust for further comment and an update, but the Trust sent us the same statement. There's a surprise. And now I'm going to ask Richard to read a sports article he's chosen for this week. Well, of course, the most important news this uh, last week is on the cricket front, where the headline on the November the 4th says the next step. Pear's new assistant coach, Ali, ready to grasp his opportunity with both hands. Worcestershire's Kadir Ali has expressed his eagerness to get started as the club's new assistant coach in his first interview. All was confirmed on Tuesday alongside the appointment of new head coach Alan Richardson. The former Gloucestershire and Leicestershire batsman led the second 11 side last campaign but has been promoted into the senior management team for 2022-23 alongside Richardson. Ali says this is the perfect step to further his career as a coach. I'm so looking forward to this opportunity. I'm really excited and want to thank the club for giving me the opportunity, he said. I've done a little bit of work with Alan already, a couple of years working closely with the Royal London Cup. That experience will stand me in good stead. I've known Alan for a long time ago, 
having played against him for many years and then having a little bit of work away from this environment as well. I've loved my time working with Alan and looking forward already to this winter and next season. I've got a good 10 years of coaching at different levels behind me. After my playing days, I went and coached for my father's academy to start with and did a lot of work at Warwickshire, so I really started off with the grassroots. I've worked with different people from different backgrounds and now coming into this environment at Worcestershire for three years has been absolutely amazing. I've got a lot of experience and I feel I'm ready now to take the next step. There is a strong family connection between Ali and Worcestershire as brother Moen has cemented himself as a favourite over the years. Cousin Kabir also played for the pairs, and Kadir admits the country is one, the county is one close to his heart. This is the first club that gave me the opportunity to play professional cricket, and for twenty odd years, we've always had an Ali associated with the club, whether it's been myself, Moeen, or Kabir. He added, "This club means so much to me." In those early days, I just remember watching Graham Hick bat and smashing it all over the place. What a player he was. The environment and culture of the club has always been a family one. It's been amazing. Thank you, Richard. Now we'll have some of Reader's letters. So, Moira, will you start us off, please? OK, so my first letter is from Lorna Ingman from Worcester and District Branch, Branch Cats Protection. We are very conscious that due to the current economic situation that people are struggling to feed themselves and also their pets. We want to make people aware, who are eligible to use the Worcester Food Bank and have cats as pets, that they are able to get cat food at the food bank. The other thing we would like to bring to people's attention is that if they are on a low income, or, and on benefits, that they may be able to get help with getting their cat neutered. For information on this, they need to contact 01905 904 058 or email us at inquiries at worcester.cats.org.uk. My next letter is from Jabba Riaz, Deputy Leader of Worcester Labour Party. I was interested to read Margaret Davis's letter about challenges faced by renters and would like to offer Margaret and the renters across the city some reassurance. Worcester Labour Party sees, hears and shares renters' concerns and is acting to address them. Worcester Labour Party has approved a private renters' motion at full council and only this week we have helped to introduce a new policy giving greater protection to private renters. This includes giving us legal powers of enforcement against those private landlords who provide an unacceptable quality of housing. Nationally, a Labour government will introduce a private renters' charter within 100 days of entering office. This will help ensure quality of housing, provide beefed-up protections for renters 
and tighter tenancy control to ensure renters do not have to live under the constant threat of eviction. From our casework and our canvassing, Worcester Labour knows how renters in the city too often struggle, even living in fear of their landlords, not wanting to raise genuine issues for fear of punitive measures being taken against them. No one in Worcester should be living in substandard housing and Worcester Labour Party will work tirelessly to ensure no one does. Our next letter is headed Brilliant Care at Worcestershire Royal Hospital. I recently had a stay in Worcester Royal Hospital and and contradictory to the continuous moaning I see about not being able to see a doctor, sloppy treatment, you name it in the newspapers, all the time particularly about Worcester, I thought I'd add mine. I had to spend nine days in Worcester Royal. The treatment was exemplary, the staff professional. Even the food, I thought, was very good indeed. People were very quick to moan, but I can honestly say I have nothing to moan about. They were brilliant, and I hope you decide to publish this for everyone to read. And that letter is from Paul Wilson of Broadheath. The next letter is from Margaret Davies in Worcester, under the headline of Private Renters Are Ignored. Dear Editor, Private renters feel ignored by politicians, yet... Research by homelessness charity shelter shows that our views on housing will influence the next general election. To give a local example, 61% of private renters in the Western Midlands say housing policies will be a factor when deciding who to vote for at the next general election. A safe place to live is essential for everyone. Without this, Progress is unsure, and the whole community suffers. Help people feel secure so they can get on with other areas of their lives. Years of promises to reform our broken renting system are meaningless until changes become law. The government must bring forward the Renters' Reform Bill. Please print my letter in your next edition. Renters in our community need it now. And the next one, Get a Grip on Gambling. And this is from Nigel Crisp of Malvern. Dear Editor, The Scourge of Gambling. So the country and many people have a gambling addiction. Is it no wonder when there are still adverts pushing gambling? I listen to a local station and the presenters are always pushing the competition with how would this amount suit you and contacting winners and pushing them into entering. When will this country get a grip on this scourge? And the next one is from Brendan Ellis. Hospital parking charges are a crime. Dear Editor, 
Hospitals are putting pressure on ambulance services by charging up to £76.80 per day. Many sick Britons can no longer afford to drive to A&E due to the sky-high parking charges and must reply on 999 vehicle services. I think he meant rely. It is a crime that in this country we allow hospitals to charge people who are either sick or visiting ill relatives. This is nothing better than a criminal organisation ripping the public. The next letter comes from Cliff Slade of Tembury Wells. And the headline is, Former Office Will Rise Like a Phoenix. Dear Editor, although the former Hilton Road headquarters of the Worcester News has dispatched many exciting news headlines, its structure was always unsightly dark, dismal display of dreary, drab, concrete architecture that the faithful city unfortunately succumbed to in the 1960s. So to see the refabricated resurrection of the now Worcester University building rising like a phoenix from the ashes of its gold in its golden splendour is a glittering and glamorous welcome which cleverly links the equal splendour of the hive like two precious nuggets nestled on the opposite sides of the river banks. Perhaps the river footbridge could even be adorned with a golden makeover which would even further enhance the bright architectural link between the two learning establishments. Now, when I drive from Tembury Wells into Worcester, it's akin to the yellow brick road signifying good things and leading to the emerald but golden city. OK, so my story, Sharing Lights of Love Names. A large Christmas tree has been installed in front of a city landmark ahead of an annual charity campaign. The tree at St Andrew's Spire on Deansway is set to be used for St Richard's Hospice's Lights of Love campaign, which will officially begin on Friday. The tree was donated by Lysinton Christmas Trees and is set to be illuminated against the backdrop of music from the Salvation Army following a service at Worcester Cathedral which begins at 7pm. Kelly Johns, St Richard's Hospice Fundraising Community and Events Manager said, Our Lights of Love trees very kindly donated by Lysinton Christmas Trees. By being gifted a beautiful tree, the hospice can raise even more funds for the free care that we provide to around 3,100 patients and their loved ones each year. We're so very grateful to everyone at Lysington Christmas Trees for thinking of us each festive season. The Lights of Love campaign, sponsored by Fisher German, involves two Worcester Cathedral services at 2.30pm and 7pm on Friday, November the 11th. A choir from King's Horford will sing during the afternoon service and the RGS Senior School Choir will feature in the evening event. St Richard's has held Lights of Love services in Worcestershire for 20 years, except for in 2020 when they were held virtually due to the pandemic. Dedicated names will be displayed around St Andrew's Spire and in a book of remembrance at Worcester Cathedral. 
Names will also be published in the Worcester News on Christmas Eve. Anyone is welcome to dedicate a light in memory or celebration of a loved one, not only those who have a connection with St Richard's, and money raised from donations will help support the hospice's specialist care. You can dedicate a light or confirm your attendance at the cathedral services online at strichards.org.uk forward slash lights hyphen of hyphen love or call the fundraising team on 01905 958 262. And on Monday, the, November the 7th, we have a, a very salutary article which I think we should all be very aware of under the photograph of a premium savings bond for £1. They don't issue those anymore, do they? Mm, no. <laughs> it's a headline of a hundred k prize unclaimed. A premium bonds prize of one hundred thousand pounds is waiting to be claimed in Hereford and Wooster. Each month in the UK, premium bond holders are entered into a draw that could net them one million pounds. While all of the jackpots have been accounted for there is still £68 million in prizes dating back to 1957 still waiting to be claimed, with three prizes of £100,000 currently unclaimed. National Savings and Investments, otherwise known as NS&I, a state-owned savings bank in the UK, has now confirmed that there are 23,363 unclaimed prizes in Hereford and Worcester, with total prizes values of £857,925. People forgetting to change their contact details is the main reason for prizes going unclaimed, an NS&I spokesman said. Premium bonds prize winners are notified when they win a prize but sometimes people move or change their contact details without letting NS and I know this can lead to unclaimed prizes, particularly if they, are, if they have opted to receive their prize by cheque, explained the, the spokesperson. The best way to ensure bondholders receive their prizes is to have them paid directly into their bank account or automatically reinvested into more premium bonds. Getting prizes paid directly is also quicker and more secure, with more than 9 in 10 prizes now paid this way rather than by post. One of the three unclaimed £100,000 prizes was won by a person in Hereford and Worcester. The prize was won by a female in 2014 who had a total premium bonds holding of £14. The winning bond from a £5 holding was purchased in 1972. There is also a dozen prizes of £1,000 waiting to be claimed in Hereford and Worcester. Meanwhile, the oldest unclaimed prize is £25, won in August 1965. NS and I has advised that the quickest way to check if you have won is to visit 
their website, uh, which is www.nsandi, that is N-S-A-N-D-I, dot com, oblique prize checker. Sorry, I should correct that, say prize hyphen checker dot full stop. And uh, press the pause button and you can look for yours while we wait, and then we, you can continue listening to this in a moment. On <laughs> <laughs> a more serious note, um, you'll all be aware that this coming weekend is the Remembrance Day events. So I've put three short articles together to reflect that. The first one is roads to close for Remembrance Day events. There will be road closures for Remembrance Day services which will be taking place across Worcester. Hundreds of people will be expected to pay their respects to those who gave their lives in the First and Second World Wars and other conflicts. On Friday, November the 11th, the High Street from Deansway to the Guildhall will be closed and Deansway and College Street will also be closed between 10.45am and 11.15am. On Sunday, November the 13th, from 8am to 12.30pm, Queen Street, Corn Market, Mealcheapen Street, St Swithin Street, High Street, Deansway and Cathedral Square will all be closed. The roundabout on College Street will also be closed. From 11.30am to 11.50am, St John's from its junction with the Bullring to its junction with Swanpool Walk will be closed. And Bromyard Road from the junction with Bullring to the junction with Glebe Close will also be closed between 11.30am and 11.50am. St Paul's Street from its junction with George Street to its junction with Providence Street will be closed from 10.55am to 11.25am on Sunday. And then the two other short articles are about veterans and those who sell us poppies. Veteran Brothers Fundraise Together you can get your poppy this week from brothers Brian and John Hewlett, 86, who served as young soldiers with the Worcestershire Regiment, which was based at Norton Barracks. Sent to Germany and Jamaica following the Second World War, the twin brothers were dispatch riders, delivering urgent orders and messages between headquarters and military units. This week they are donning their old regimental caps to represent the Royal British Legion and can be found with their poppies in Crowngate in the History and Heritage pod next to Iceland at the entrance to Crowngate Car Park. Coincidentally, Brian's daughter, Anne Hewlett, lives within yards of her father's old barracks at Norton, which has now been converted into flats. My sister Pat and I are very proud of Dad and John and their helping support fellow retired servicemen and women. I think of them most days as I pass their old regimental barracks and the experiences they joined, they enjoyed there. And then 
Veteran to join March. A veteran from Worcester will join 10,000 of his comrades in marching past the Cenotaph on Remembrance Sunday. David Hornsby spent 22 years as an army nurse, including five tours in Iraq, two tours in Afghanistan, two in Kosovo and one in Sierra Leone. The 50-year-old former warrant officer is marching to honour the men and women he helped care for during his service, as well as the veterans he helps in his current role with Help for Heroes. Mr Hornsby works as a veterans clinical advisor for the charity and helps support members of the armed forces when they return to their communities after leaving. In his role, he provides health coaching, advocacy and direct community support to veterans, helping them engage with the NHS in their communities. He said, Remembrance is not just about one day. I think it's all year round for veterans. But the ceremonies on Remembrance Sunday are an incredibly poignant focus for me. I was an emergency department nurse and was privileged to care for our wounded on operations. Many of them experienced traumatic injuries that had previously been regarded as unsurvivable. Many more bear the scars of the events they witnessed. I'm now in the privileged position of being able to continue to support our wounded veterans. Remembrance Day reminds me of the operational tours I deployed on all and those of those fellow veterans of all operations I can help now. Our armed forces community needs your help today and will continue to need it long into the future. Mr Hornsby will join more than 20 other veterans from Help for Heroes, wearing distinctive tri-service colours when they march in the National Remembrance Sunday Ceremony held at the Cenotaph in Whitehall in London. Originally from Chesterfield, Mr Hornsby served from 1993 until 2015 with the Queen Alexandra's Royal Army Nursing Corps. Find out how Help for Heroes can help the armed forces community live well after service www.helpforheroes.org.uk oblique get hyphen help oblique ask hyphen for hyphen help oblique the next article comes from monday's edition that's november the 7th charity chairman comes to the rescue the chairman of a charity which provides life-saving defibrillators to the community stepped in to help a patient who was in cardiac arrest peter richards who created Deutschwich aed was called out to Droitwich to reports of a patient suffering from cardiac arrest. There, he used an automated external defibrillator which he keeps in his car and helped the family perform CPR. Despite being neither a community responder or ambulance paramedic, Mr Richards was able to use the device to shock the patient and halt the cardiac arrest before West Midlands Ambulance Service arrived. 
The patient, though still unwell, was no longer in cardiac arrest and was taken to hospital by the ambulance service. There is still a stigma around being able to use defibrillators, with many people being unsure if they would know what to do in emergencies. However, the defibrillators are user-proof and can be used easily as the instructions are printed on the case they come in. Richard Brown, Droitwich AED trustee and ambulance technician, said, Anyone can use an AED, even with no training. These devices are very simple and give clear instructions such as where to place the electrode pads, how to do CPR and when to press the shock button. The device assesses the patient's heart rhythm and will only advise a shock if needed. It's a myth that untrained people cause further harm. Survival rate after receiving good quality CPR increases from 8% to 32% and, combined with early defibrillation, increases survivability, survivability to 53%. The worst thing you can do is nothing. The patient was subsequently attended by West Midlands Ambulance Service and later transferred to a specialist hospital in Birmingham, where their condition remains unknown. Droitwich AED is a charity created to fundraise and, su and supply community public fundraise for and supply community public access defibrillators CPADs for the Droitwich Spa and surrounding communities. Since its inauguration in March 2017, the charity has supplied more than 120 AEDs throughout Worcestershire. Each CPAD costs over £1,250, with ongoing replacement parts averaging an additional £75 a year for each unit. OK, I'm sitting looking at a picture of uh, quite a few turkeys here. The headline is um, Flu Sparks Turkey Rush. Hundreds of extra Christmas turkeys are being brought up by butchers after a DEFRA minister, minister warned bird flu would cause shortages this winter. Speaking in the House of Lords, Lord Benyon said supply chains could be affected after recent outbreaks of the disease, which have led to culls of large numbers of birds across the country. He said the UK has a resilient supply chain and that there was no need to panic by. Despite this, Rachel Edmonds from the Butcheress, which supplies meat across Worcestershire, said she had sold hundreds of turkeys this week alone, as well as taking in extra stock in case of shortages further down the line. She said, We have lots in stock and have an offer on at the moment, so people are definitely buying. We have sold 400 already this week. I have brought plenty for the freezer just in case, but yes, there will be shortages. Not only are places culling early due to the bird flu risk, a lot of farmers aren't doing any turkeys this year due to increase in feed prices. Lord Benyon told the House of Lords that he could not guarantee the traditional turkey lunch would not be affected by the epidemic, but insisted there is no need to panic by. The International Environment Minister said, We are seeing increasing number of turkeys falling prey to this disease. 
but at the moment, the situation for Christmas turkeys is there or thereabouts okay. But I wouldn't like to predict. If it carried on at the current rate, there wouldn't be some impact. The government has taken several steps to tackle the UK's largest ever outbreak of avian influenza. While they have focused on biosecurity, they are also now enforcing a housing order in England where poultry are to be kept inside from Monday, November the 7th. They are also allowing farmers to slaughter their turkeys early, freeze and then defrost and sell as fresh later in the year and are also offered farmers' compensation from the outset of a planned curl instead of the end. On Tuesday, November the 8th, there's a lovely photograph of a smiling Darcy Mansell over the headline, Family Transforms School Playground. An eco-aware Worcester pupil has helped her school make a positive, last change to the environment for the future. Darcy Mansell, head of eco for Broadheath C of E School Council, gave a presentation to the school assembly on the ways they could make a change. Darcy educated her classmates and they have worked together to stop using paper towels to reduce waste, encourage recycling throughout the school and recruited pupils for weekly litter picks. However, her biggest mission of all has been achieved uh, to take the forgotten sheds and a dark corner of the playground and transform it into a place where both children and animals can enjoy nature together. Recruiting her family and their construction company, Charlbury Contractors, to tackle the task, they worked to clear the space and the sheds to uncover a mass of materials they could recycle and build. Furniture, birdhouses, bat box, rope swing, hedgehog house, worm hotel and several composting bins. The sheds are now equipped for Darcy to start her after-school eco-club this term. She will teach the children about growing plants, vegetables and looking after the space she has worked on so hard to create. Now an article from today uh, with rather a challenging headline. People, quotes, as satisfied as before the pandemic, close quotes. People in Worcester are feeling as satisfied with their lives as before the coronavirus pandemic, new figures show. This is due to a recent rise in satisfaction levels in the last year. Across the UK, happiness levels recovered from a pandemic dip in 2020-21, but remained down on 2019-20, with Mental Health UK warning that successive lockdowns and now the cost of living crisis have disrupted people's happiness. Office for National Statistics figures show the average person in Worcester answered the question how satisfied are you with your life nowadays at 7.6 out of 10 in the year to March, where one is not at all and 10 is completely. This is up from 7.2 the year before and is now in line with pre-pandemic levels. 
Across the UK, satisfaction levels have rebounded in the last year, though have still not recovered following the pandemic, sitting at 7.5, up from 7.4 in 2020-21, but below 7.7 in the year to March 2020. Mental Health UK said it is encouraging to see people's well-being start to improve across the country after the seismic shocks of the pandemic, but warned that more must still be done to combat poor well-being in society, especially during the soaring cost of living. Brian Dow, chief executive of the charity, said, It is clear we have not rebounded back to where we were and the pressures of the cost of living crisis should serve as a reminder of the range of factors that influence our well-being and reinforce that mental health needs to remain a consistent priority that doesn't just come into the spotlight during a national emergency. While so much in life can feel out of our control, It's also vital that people know the signs of poor mental health and are supported to help prioritise their well-being if they're struggling, with access to professional support if they need it. Happiness levels were also up nationally, 7.3 to 7.5, while people generally felt less anxious, with average rating falling from 3.3 to 3.1. In Worcester, the average person was not as happy in 2021-22 than the year previous, with happiness ratings falling from 7.5 to 7.4. Meanwhile, anxiety levels remained the same, 3.1. Feelings that things in life are worthwhile also increased across the country, though still remain below pre-pandemic levels. People living in Worcester rated their life as worthwhile at 7.5 out of 10, below 8 in 2019-20. The next article um, concerns scamming and how to best cope with it or avoid it. And it's in the Finance Your Money Matters section from Friday the 4th. How making a cuppa could stop you getting scammed. Fraudsters will often put people under stress and pressure. Putting people under pressure is a common tactic used by scammers to trick people into doing something without really thinking it through. When people are in a state of high stress, they may only realise after they've transferred their cash or handed over their personal details that they have probably just been conned. Scams can be so convincing that one in five, 21%, people feel resigned to being likely to fall victim to a fraudster pretending to be someone else, according to recent research from Santander. So, pausing for a moment to, to take stock of the situation and to remove yourself from that sense of urgency and pressure they're putting on you, can break the spell woven by the scammer. This is exactly what the Take 5 to Stop Fraud campaign is encouraging people to do 
and in some cases it could simply mean stopping to make a cup of tea. More than two-fifths, 44%, of those surveyed for Santander agreed that stopping for a cup of tea is the best way to add clarity to a situation and for more than a third, 35%, stopping for a cuppa has helped them avoid making a grave mistake. Impersonation scams are playing havoc across the UK, says Chris Ainsley, Head of Fraud Risk Management at Santander, which has launched a campaign. Taking on the persona of the police, your bank or even a utility provider, criminals will do whatever they can to convince you to follow what they say. Charming, nasty, threatening... They'll use whatever means they can to get you to part with your money. Don't. If someone is pressurising you to transfer money to another account, whatever the reason, don't do it. Hang up the phone or don't reply to the message and give your bank a call using the number on the back of your card. We don't want the 21% of you who, in our research, admitted to feeling resigned to falling victim to one of these scams to give the criminals what they want, Ainsley adds. Instead, take a breath, have a cuppa and really consider what you've been asked to do. Give yourself the space and control, and control the situation. It's your money. You decide what happens to it. Psychologist Dr Meg Arrell says doing some deep breathing can also help calm a situation down. Begin by breathing deeply through your nose, hold for a moment and then breathe slowly out through your mouth, she suggests. If you find yourself in a stressful situation, for example being confronted by something or someone suspicious, this can slow your heart rate down and provide a sense of calm. Stopping to jot things down with a pen and paper or getting the perspective of trusted friends and family members can also bring clarity to a situation, she says. When in doubt, put the kettle on, says Arrol. If you think that you have been scammed, tell your bank and the police as soon as possible. OK, um, my story is Museum's Royal Visitor. New pictures have been released of a royal visit to one of Worcester's most historic sites. HRH Princess Alexandra, a cousin of the late Queen Elizabeth II, visited the Henry Sandon Hall at Royal Porcelain Works to see how it was getting on following a major refurbishment. The hall, previously an original 1852 showroom, reopened in 2018 as a multifunctional space for arts, entertainment and education and is part of the development of the original Royal Porcelain Works completed by the Bransford Trust. The transformation of the complete site was enabled by the Trust after years of negotiation with Worcester City Council following the closure of Royal Worcester back in 2009 when over 300 workers lost their jobs at the site. Princess Alexandra was joined for her visit on Wednesday, October the 19th by Vice Lord Lieutenant of Worcestershire, Brigadier Roger Brunt. 
Others in attendance include the Chairman of Worcestershire County Council, Councillor Chris Rogers, and the Mayor of Worcester, Adrian Gregson. Upon arrival, the Princess was met by the Chairman of the Bransford Trust and the Royal Porcelain Works, Colin Kinnear, who introduced her to trustees before taking her into the hall. Whilst in the hall, HRH was presented to a variety of exhibitors, including some tenants of the Royal Porcelain Works and the projects supported by the Bransford Trust. These exhibitors included local watercolourist David Birtwistle, artist Ollie Bliss, members from the Monday Night Club, an organisation which supports adults with learning disabilities, the Worcester Community Foundation, the Worcester Chinese Society, Fresh Nu, Acuity Finance, the Myriad Centre, the Elgar Festival, the English Symphony Orchestra, Ray's Partnership, Dylan's Worcester Film Festival, Ecru Box and the Bransford Community Farm Project. Afternoon tea was then served in the Hall foyer where HRH Princess Alexandra was presented with a poppy seed cake by Clementine Serrell and a posy from Laura Gill and Abigail Revel representatives from the Monday Night Club. David Shaw from the Worcestershire Community Foundation gave a closing speech to thank the Princess for her visit. On page 6 of the uh, November 9, Wednesday November 9 edition, there's a lovely photograph of buses lined up at Crowngate Station, bus station uh, over the heading City Could Get Free Buses in December. The possibility of offering a free citywide bus service before Christmas will be debated by councillors next week. Worcester City Council has customarily offered free car parking in the best busy run-up to Christmas in a bid to bring more visitors and shoppers, but bosses have been weighing up its options of introducing subsidised bus travel next month following a call by Labour councillors to forego tradition and use the subsidies to pay for free or cheaper bus travel. Councillors will meet in the Guildhall on Tuesday, November the 15th, to vote on whether to introduce free buses throughout the month on certain days or not at all. On average, there are 5,000 bus trips every Saturday, according to the Council, where the total cost of covering tickets would be at least £14,000 a day, but could rise. But while the call from Labour councillors urged the council to look into offering free buses throughout the month, the council's preferred option is to offer, offer a free bus service on the Saturday, December the 3rd, of the city council-run Christmas fair. The council said the biggest risk of running a free bus service would be the uncertainty over passenger numbers and what a peak in interest would cost because of the promotion, if the promotion proved popular in the run-up to Christmas, more people would be using buses, meaning the cost would be greater to the council. A cap on the number of free fares each day, or restricting the promotion to some routes, both of which have been considered, could lead to a rush on tickets with free trips only provided on a first-come, first-served basis. The big dilemma for the council is that money is already tight in the Guildhall, 
with the council's current prediction showing a £776,000 gap in funding this year, which is set to be plugged again by last resort inverted commas risk, close inverted commas, reserves, and £50,000 of COVID recovery funds set aside last year to help pay for free parking was consumed by the, the hole in the council's predicted income, of which car parking is a significant earner for the authority. The money the council earns from car parking has taken a significant hit since COVID and is still yet to recover and was made worse by the car payment fiasco in September, which saw thousands of drivers unnecessarily charged several times for parking in the city. My article is from last Friday, November the 4th, and the heading is Thief Stole from Church. A man who stole more than £4,000 worth of items from a church on his birthday has avoided jail and been placed on a curfew. Richard Johnson has been sentenced for burglary at Worcester Crown Court. The 44-year-old went to Upton Baptist Church on February the 2nd, 2020, his birthday, and stole electrical and food items worth more than £4,500. Johnson, who had 13 previous convictions, was facing more than a year in prison for the offence. So the case was sent to the higher court as magistrates had felt it was outside their sentencing powers. Johnson had a lucky escape as he avoided jail when he was sentenced at the court on Wednesday, November the 2nd. Johnson was given a community order for two years. As part of that order, he was given a four-month curfew in place between 8pm and 5am every night. Johnson was told to do 20 rehabilitation activity requirement days and an accredited thinking skills programme. Johnson of Oystermouth Road, Swansea, was also ordered to pay £90 victim surcharge. During the burglary, Johnson had stolen from the community fridge scheme based in the chapel of the church. Residents are invited to put in any surplus quality food they have, which would otherwise be wasted. After the break-in, the Reverend Amy Waring, minister at the church in Old Road, Upton on Seven, said, It's not the nicest thing to have happened, but what I've seen after the break-in is a community coming together. I've had offers from people wanting to give me items or loan them to the church. Town councillor Andrea Morgan also said at the time, I'm saddened to learn of the break-in. The church and the community fridge do such a fantastic job. The amount of food they prevent being wasted is unbelievable. At a previous hearing of the case, Judge James Burbage, KC, said because of his previous convictions, Johnson would be familiar with the process of the court, telling him, you have experience of the criminal justice system, almost as much as I have. It is a shame to admit, Johnson replied. Change your attitude, the judge said. The next article is from Tuesday, November the 8th. 
and it relates to one of Worcester's outlying villages, Tiberton. Fury at £5,000 bill to heat empty hall. Residents in Tiberton were astonished when they found out that they have been paying thousands of pounds to heat a hall that has been sitting empty for almost three years. Members of the Tiberton Action Group and residents raised their concerns regarding the village hall in a parish council meeting. And Margaret Rowley, Tiberton Parish Council Chairwoman, and the Vice Chairman, Michael Doolin, alongside other committee members, addressed an array of issues. Plans to to build a new village hall started in 2017, with the Parish Council increasing the council tax precept by 91.4% in order to start the construction work. After the refurbishment, residents have been left disappointed at the sight of a brand new village hall sitting empty for almost three years. But residents have since been astonished to learn the heating is still on at the empty hall, which has cost about £5,000 to heat. They are shocked at the hefty electricity bill for a village hall which nobody has been able to use yet. Tiberton Action Group delivered leaflets to residents which made claims about the £5,000 energy bill and the hall's closure. They also asked people whether they were happy with the parish council's performance. Lockdown was blamed for delaying the use of the hall, but no reason was given for why it is still not in use. In the meeting, councillors also addressed when the highly anticipated white gates will be installed around Tiberton. White gates are used to signal to drivers that they are entering a village in a bid to help slow down traffic. The gates have been approved and paid for by Worcestershire Council, but villagers are still waiting for them to be installed. White gates have been installed in neighbouring villages, but no reason was given for why Tiberton is still waiting. The councillors also said they had noted the villagers' concerns about transparency and communication from the parish council. Okay. A tenant landlady has become so accustomed to the ghosts in her pub she started talking to them, but she said she would have a heart attack if they replied. The retreat in Norton is tucked away into the depths of the countryside, which makes it the perfect location for ghosts, according to Wendy Sace. Mrs Sace and her husband Andrew have noticed supernatural activity taking place in the village pub since they moved in five years ago. And even some of the customers are convinced there are ghosts residing in their village pub. Residents and punters have noticed glasses flying off the tables and toys randomly turning on. Mrs Sace, 53, said, We're now just used to the ghosts. I do talk to them, but if they answered me back, I would probably have a heart attack. But if she could talk to the ghosts, Mrs Sace said she would ask them to tell her the lottery numbers. I told them not to come upstairs, but that fell on deaf ears. My dog will growl at empty chairs and rooms because she thinks there is someone unknown upstairs. We have a psychic coming in on November the 28th. We're not scared, 
We don't get scared here, although it does make you jump sometimes. Not that long ago, I could hear a man mumbling and I said, Can you stop mumbling? You're scaring me. And he stopped. We just joke about it and a lot of our customers like to hear about it. I don't mind them being in the pub. We just want to know who they are and what they want. I also want to know how long they've been here. My eldest daughter does the cleaning at the pub and she heard a child say, I'm behind you. But when she turned around, nobody was there. We have a play area for toddlers and we have toys there that we have to physically turn off and they randomly turn on. And they turn on by themselves. Sometimes my granddaughter is playing in the play area and she's talking and I ask her who is she talking to and she says nobody. And the fact that it could be a child creeps me out. From Wednesday, November the 9th, we have a picture of seagulls floating around near the bridge at, uh, on the Severn with the headline, Doubling Budget for Gulls Cleared. The budget for tackling the city's growing gull problem is set to double next year. Councils have backed plans which will see the city's gull control budget increase by an extra £35,000 to £70,000 in 2023 in a bid to control the bird population. Despite a boost in funding last year, the City Council said gull numbers had increased to more than 5% since the last survey in 2020. 29 pairs of gulls more each year for the last two years. Worcester City Council said that the aim was not to eradicate the city's gull population, but minimise their negative impact. Despite this, almost 250 nests and nearly 500 eggs have been removed in the, in the last two years by the council. The experts said some of the measures, particularly the increase in the number of netted roofs in the city, had slowed down the expected rise in population. The council has also used hawks to stop gulls from nesting on the city roofs, which it said helped stop some gulls from swooping at people eating in Cathedral Square. The Environment Committee backed the increase in funding and supported plans to continue using nets and hawks to fight off gulls at a meeting in the Guildhall on November the 1st. Blackpool continues to be the most populated area in Worcester for gulls, closely followed by the city centre. One of the hard, other hardest hit areas in the city was Weir Lane, where two buildings had 35 nests in 2021, with regular reports of gulls attacking people and disrupting sleep. Through a combination of lasers, lights, tapping of roofs and pole, with poles, and the playing of recorded gull distress calls, the council said that has now dropped to just three nests. For the next 12 months, the council said it will continue on focusing on removing nests and eggs and using hawks, particularly in the tithing High Street, Lowick and Diglis. It will also continue to offer to pay for removing nests and eggs 
from some of the city's most problematic areas in exchange for home and business owners paying to have the building golf-proofed. I feel sure that should say dull-proofed, which includes placing cages over problematic nesting sites. And now a rather salutary article, as Richard would say. A packed schedule of vaccine clinics. But we do need reminding. Worcester residents will have plenty of opportunities to get vaccinated in the coming weeks. With Covid and the flu still putting pressure on the NHS, the Worcester City Primary Care Network is looking to get as many eligible patients into vaccine clinics as possible. As such, there will be clinics held every Tuesday through Saturday until the end of the month. David McDowell, Patient Quality Manager at Worcester City PCN, said, Our team have a packed schedule of events at community centres across Worcester City throughout November, meaning it's really easy for anyone eligible for an autumn booster or flu vaccine to grab a jab without an appointment at a venue that's convenient and local to them. We'd encourage all patients to take the opportunity to get any and all vaccines they're eligible for as soon as they're able to get them, as doing so keeps them safe, protects our community and helps to keep our NHS services running this winter. This news comes as scientists say that the flu is back after a hiatus during the coronavirus pandemic. Levels of flu in England are already on the rise, despite many flu seasons peaking in December and January. Experts warn that this will put the NHS under increased pressure. Speaking at the Science Media Centre, Sir Peter Horby, Professor of Emerging Infectious Diseases and Global Health and Director of the Pandemic Sciences Institute at the University of Oxford, said, The key thing is say, really, that flu is back. There's clearly been a period when we've been relieved of the flu pressures, but there's clear evidence from other countries that flu is back in circulation. What we do know is that although influenza seasons are very variable, they can have a very big impact. And in a big season, they can put enormous pressures on the healthcare system. Worcester PCN says that the initial rush for jabs has died down and clinics now have quick turnarounds, with average queue times of five minutes last week. Participating venues include the Walden Centre at Shap Drive, the Green Centre on Gresham Road and St John's House Surgery. To find out more about upcoming vaccine clinics, visit www.worcestercity-pcn.co.uk oblique boosters. The next uh, article is from Tuesday, November the 8th, and the headline is Fire Crews Delivery. Firefighters have returned from deliveries of a fire engine to support the ongoing war in Ukraine. 
A team from Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service returned from Poland this week after donating a fire engine to Ukrainian firefighters. This follows a continuing request from the Home Office and National Fire Chiefs Council for UK Fire Services to donate any equipment and vehicles due to be replaced, decommissioned or disposed of to help Ukrainian firefighters deal with the impacts of the Russian invasion of their country. This is the third fire engine that has been donated by Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service and was accompanied by a range of useful supplements. Sam Pink, Area Commander and the Service's Assistant Director for Assets, said The Hereford and Worcester Fire Authority continually invests in new fire engines for the service, which this year has resulted in three older fire engines being available for donation to this worthy cause. The volunteers to make the trip were Watch Commanders Dave Vickras and Catherine Chesworth and Crew Commander Nick Baker from Lentwardine, Ewas Harold and Urge. Erdersley stations respectively. Dave Vickras said, It was a privilege to be chosen to represent the service and an amazing week along the way. Cars and lorries were hooting their horns in support and waving at the convoy. Arriving at our final destination, we were welcomed and hosted by German and Polish firefighters with a special welcome in Erfurt in Germany from the mayor. Catherine said, It was a journey of emotional ups and downs and I felt very honoured to be part of the crew. A refugee we met stressed the number of lives each fire engine would save and the hope it gives them. Thank you, Penny. Well, now we've reached the end of this recorded edition. Thanks to Moira, Richard, Penny and Alex for reading and recording and to Carol Hartle for leading that vital admin work. We hope you've enjoyed listening and that you'll be back for more next time. So it's best wishes from me, Evelyn, and from all the team. Goodbye. Bye. Mrs Sheila Helen Harmes, nay Appleton, born 20th of November 1942, Died the 25th of October 2022. Gone too soon. Funeral service has taken place. Carol Ann Riley passed away peacefully on the 30th of October 2022, aged 75. A service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on the 17th of November at 10.45am. Family flowers only, please. Jenny May Davis, nay Cottrell, of Droitwich Spa, passed away peacefully at Worcester Royal Hospital on Thursday the 13th of October 2022, aged 78. The funeral is on Monday the 14th of November at 11.30 at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, to St Richard's Hospice. Vera Francis Jauncey passed away peacefully on the 2nd of November 2022, aged 94. A memorial service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on the 22nd of November at 2.30pm. 
family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for guide dogs. Richard Kennard passed away peacefully on 22nd of October, aged 85. The funeral has already taken place. Terry Penlington, dearly loved husband, father and grandfather, sadly passed away on the 25th of October. The funeral will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 18th of November at 1pm. Family flowers only, please. Ernest John Redding, known as Ern, passed away peacefully on the 24th of October, aged 87 years. His funeral service has already taken place. Edna Scarrett suddenly passed away on Thursday the 27th of October, aged 79 years. The funeral has already taken place. Hazel Rosemary Rose of Pershaw passed away peacefully on October the 22nd, 2022, aged 98 years. The funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Tuesday, November the 29th at 1pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for the RSPCA. Kenneth John Hawkins, commonly known as Ken, an ex-BBC Wales, previously of Worcester, passed away in hospital in Cardiff on October the 6th, age 90. The funeral service has taken place, but he is buried in Aswood Cemetery, Worcester. Michael Anning sadly passed away at home on the 19th of October, aged 59 years. A service to celebrate Michael's life will take place at St Philip and St James's Church, Hallow, on Monday the 14th of November 2022, at 11.45. Donations, if desired, for the British Heart Foundation. And Charles and Elizabeth Richmond, both being aged 82 years, after 58 years of devoted marriage. Betty died on the 5th of October 2022 and Charlie followed on the 26th of October 2022. A joint funeral will take place on the 15th of November 2022 at Worcester Crematorium at 12.30pm and inquiries to Jackson Family Funeral Directors. Bernard Samuel Potter of Old Northwick Lane, Worcester, passed away following a short illness on the 27th of October 2022 at Worcestershire Royal Hospital. The funeral service at St John Baptist Church, Clanes, on 16th of November at 1pm, followed by private committal. Family flowers only, please but donations if desired for the, the Alzheimer's Society. Robert George Wickens, Bob, founder of Wickens Engineering Limited, 
passed away peacefully on November the 7th, 2022, aged 88 years. The funeral service will be held at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Tuesday the 22nd of November at 10am. Family flowers only. Donations in memory of Bob are invited for Dementia UK. Julian Owen Cook, also known as Bob, died on the 26th of October, aged 90, in Surrey. He is coming home to Worcester for his funeral, at which his friends would be welcome at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, November the 17th at 12.15pm. No flowers, please, but donations to the RAF Benevolent Fund. Roy Brain passed away peacefully on the 28th of October 2022 at Redhill Care Centre. The funeral has already taken place, but donations can be made to Redhill Care Centre Activities Fund. Leslie George Green, Les, of Broadwas Garage passed away peacefully on the 14th of October 2022, aged 92 years. The funeral service has taken place. Donations to Broadwas Church and the Air Ambulance. <laughs>